Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. All right, so we're sitting around. What the heck with the world right now? Yeah, what's, oh my what's going gosh. On? <laughs> it certainly has been a tumultuous handful of, of days, and this past week has shocked many of us, particularly in the U.S., but even abroad. We, I know we have many international listeners just seeing what happened at the U.S. Capitol. Um, and, you know, we're just trying to think about, in light of that, in light of everything else that has happened in this past year, you know, a very fundamental question that many people are asking and something that we ask ourselves and we discuss frequently. And that is just, you know, what can I do for the world? And, you know, here on the Indigo podcast, we talk about and we're devoted to this idea of human flourishing at work and beyond because those two are interconnected. And this is a big question that I think we should explore. And it's particularly relevant right here and right now. That's right. And we're fighters. You know, we don't go quietly into that good night or whatever no. that quote is. You know, we but we punch smart. Not like those numbskulls at the Capitol that like most of those guys, I mean, you could see them on TV. These guys were clueless. They were deceived by a bunch of charlatans. I mean, that's not punching smart, guys. You want to make your country better. You got to put on your thinking cap. You got to dump. What do we say? You got to dump the stinking thinking and be smart about things. But that being said, we can't just sit on the sidelines here. We got to do some fighting for the right kind of stuff. So today we're going to talk about, hey, some finding your purpose. You know, we always get asked that on these consulting engagements. You know, we're, we've come to save your company, but we're <laughs> doing this existential crisis interventions with execs, right? We're going to talk <laughs> about what we can all do right now. You know, we don't have to wait like, well, let's just wait till COVID's over to start, you know, doing some stuff. No, mm -hmm. we hate to wait. So we're going to talk about what we can do about right now, about the things that are going on right now. And we're going to talk about how we can have a broader influence on those things. So more than just going to your local soup kitchen and, and chipping in, which you should do. <laughs> and we'll talk about that a little bit more here in the episode. Let's start with that idea of finding your purpose. And it was funny, you know, when we were preparing for this episode, <laughs> uh, we, were, we were saying, you know, we should talk about finding your purpose. And this is something we talk about a lot. And, you know, just personally, you, you and I, but, uh, you know, you were like, well, let me Google it. And it's funny because apparently a lot of other people ask this question. There are many resources out there and some probably good and some not so good little quizzes you can take, for example, to find your purpose. Uh, so that's one way in which you maybe can find your purpose in life is to Google it. I don't think that's necessarily the best route. It's not the route that I have chosen, uh, but it's one way to get there. There's a whole host of really attractive people on Instagram that will dupe you with their attractiveness. They're like, man, this person looks great. They probably know something. <laughs> <laughs> well, look at this blog post about, you know, finding your purpose through vacuuming, you know. <laughs> so, you know, though, I will say if your house is a mess, start with cleaning up your house and maybe vacuuming will help you find your purpose a little bit. Uh, but, you know, I, I also you know, I come back to a fundamental book that really had a big impact on me. And that's man. And we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but it's Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. 
And, you know, in that book, he talks about how, and he provides good argumentation for, I think, the idea that we really should be looking for purpose and meaning in life, not searching just for happiness, right? Uh, so finding your purpose, in my mind, uh, and we'll, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts, Chris. It's not necessarily just about feeling good about things. It's not just about, uh, you know, having some sort of hedonistic type of journey in which you're just trying to maximize your own pleasure and minimize your pain. For me, purpose comes down to ideas of duty, ideas of service, ideas of making a difference in the world, and those types of bigger types of, you know, questions that we'll talk about here a little bit more. Yeah. You know, so much as like, well, what do you like to do? Well, you know, I like to read philosophy books and play guitar all day, but that doesn't pay the rent, right? <laughs> <laughs> Nor does it necessarily, unless you do something with it, help the world, right? I mean, yeah, you know, you can stuff Twinkies in your face all day and look at whatever detritus on the web. And okay, maybe that's scratching your itch at the moment, but that's not where it's at. You know, when World War II came around, I bet you a lot of people are like, you know, I just I could use some more trench warfare in my life or something. <laughs> no, they're like, oh, my gosh. But, you know, when a weed like a world war crops up, you got to tend to the weeds. A lot of this is tending to our environment that we live in. So if there's stuff like there is bad stuff going on in a lot of communities right now, well, you might have to tend to some weeds. You know, my National Guard career has not all been Daisy and Rosa. Just another day being you know, a super patriot in uniform. No, <laughs> I deal with, you know, bad leaders, uh, a variety of quality of followers and peers, um, you know, promotions, all the, you know, logistical stuff. You know, like, I don't, I don't want to go. I want to go out in the field and shoot weapons. I don't want to like sit here and do this paperwork, but that's part of it. And uh, I think a balanced life is required here. Twinkies are good. Sort of. I mean, they will survive the zombie apocalypse, but, you know, <laughs> eating dessert is good, but your life cannot be all cotton candy and brownies. No. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the psychological research is, is fairly clear on this, too, that, you know, nobody actually wants to be on vacation forever. Or maybe there's somebody. Right. But most people don't. Uh, that's why, for example, when people are thinking about retirement uh, the, you know, the, the healthy guidance there is, you know, keep some structure, find, you know, continue to find purpose and, and reasons to get up in the morning and to help the world. So to my mind, one's purpose doesn't necessarily need to be intertwined super closely with one's career. Now it's great if it is, that's, that's a nice combination to have, but I do think that there's a little bit of an overemphasis sometimes on, you know, finding your passion and finding the thing that really excites you. And, and if that is intertwined with purpose and meaning and something deeper, that's great. But if it's just about kind of finding, like you were saying, you know, the eating Twinkies or finding the thing that you like to do, I, I just think that's kind of shallow. Uh, so it's helpful, I think, for most of us to think about your purpose might be a little bit separate from your career. It, it might be the same. It might be separate. Uh, and that allows you, if you're in a job, it's like, you know, this job pays the bills. It's fine. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> blow my hair back. It's not, you know, it's it's doing something that is, you know, moderately useful for the world, but it doesn't really, you know, you know, really get me excited. That's that's okay too. There are tons of those types of jobs. And there are ways to live your purpose and find your purpose outside of that. And that's totally fine. Yeah. 
I always paint this picture of the notional world. Back in the day, there was a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, right? Those are the three careers you could pick. You, you know, hey, son, what's what's wrong? Well, you know, I just I just always wanted to be a .NET developer, and they hadn't even invented that career yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what are you doing? And this is what we talk about existential meaning. You know, mm -hmm. if we, you know, faced a red dawn moment and everybody's, you know, living out of tents, you know, being able to be a .NET developer is probably not a career option. First of all, moment. you just so dated yourself by making a red dawn reference. So Wolverines. For those of you, for those, <laughs> if those of you who have not seen the movie Red Dawn, it's this crazy 80s movie. Um, it's where, trash. Don't watch it. No, watch it. it it's a classic. You got to watch it. It's like these guys are sitting, they're sitting around in school and then the, like the Soviets invade and like land and like parachute into the school grounds. And these guys have to run off in the woods. And then it's pretty, I mean, you, you should watch it just for, for historical and cultural context. Um, however, yeah, you, you know, that's, that's just something I'd like to note. Right. So, but yeah, but the thing is, is you'll see people is like, well, I just need to leave modernity and live in my yurt in the woods off the grid, you know, they can't ever visit you for vacation because they got to feed their goats and stuff. And, you know, you have to visit them, which you don't want to because they don't have running water. And, you know, so your people are aiming to capture something. And the thing that the common thread I see is I need something in my environment to pleasure me, to make me happy. Hmm. You know, I, the, the vistas and natural woods are going to bring me joy. But if there's something broken in you, right? And that could be from trauma, the past. That could be um, just from the everyday living. You just pick up dust and baggage as you go. You know, those kinds of things. Those outside elements might provide a bit of a reprieve, but they're not going to build that lasting okayness. Now, for some of us, we have to accept, right, that everything's not going to be hunky-dory all the time. You know, there is an element, um, Dave Schram was on here, you know, part of our happiness and those kinds of things can be related to our biology. You know, some people are chemically depressed or whatever that term is, that that's just how, and that's okay. You can still find joy. So I would say curate your outside environment as much as you can, you know. If if you're living in a household where somebody's screaming at you every day, well, it's going to be hard to have some joy. But you're going to have to put the rubber to the road and start doing some stuff. Some of that stuff is build some competency in something. Mm -hmm. Get good at something. And, you know, maybe you have that job where you just do the same widget making every day and that pays the bills and it provides for your family. And that's awesome. Um but then get good at a hobby. Like I still practice guitar. It brings me a lot of joy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also think that finding your purpose is an ongoing process, an ongoing process of discovery for yourself because the world changes and you change as you go through life in terms of the things that you're interested in, things that you're good at, the ways in which, as you pointed out just a moment ago, uh, that you can add value to the world. You know, building some competence in something and doing that for the betterment of others is a great place to start if you are trying to find your purpose. Helping other people is a great place to start. Maybe that it's something that's something you do directly as part of your job, your career. Maybe it's not. And if it's not, then there are many other ways in which you can do things to help other people. 
It's interesting because, you know, from my perspective as a person of faith, that's part of what we do and what we require and um, certainly find value in as people. At the same time, the psychological research aligns with that and shows very clearly that helping other people is a fantastic way even to mitigate your own stress, right? By getting out there outside beyond yourself and doing good for others, it's a good thing for you. And it's a good thing for the world. So that's a great place to start. Find a way to help other people. Yeah. I mean, we've all been in a dark moment. And maybe we were alone during that dark moment. And it would have been nice to have somebody there. Well, you can be that change you want to see in the world. Be that person for somebody else. You yeah. know, just remember those times. And and that's helpful. You know, that's the going to your soup kitchen and volunteering. You know, having been a person of faith and been involved in church work you know everybody wants to sing in the choir or be the greeter but when it came time to get to people to go out and actually work with the poor the the amount of people it was significantly less even though arguably that stuff had more impact and, that, and that's not criticizing those other roles and volunteer places but stick yourself in a place that can really really impact the life of somebody else yeah, you know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it was from Mr. Rogers. Remember Mr. Rogers? Um, he, uh, I think in one of his episodes, he, he was talking about when there are crises and people doing bad things, he said, look for the helpers. You know, look, look, look beyond the evil in the moment and look at the people who are helping other people. And that's, that's where purpose is. Uh, and he's talking to kids there. Yeah. We're, we're adults. We can be the helpers. Yeah. The kids yeah. can look at and be like, well, gosh darn it, there's a helper. Yeah. <laughs> how, how about I, look at that? <laughs> and I'll get I'll, I'll get super personal here just for a moment. And you know, our listeners know that I went through a personal tragedy back in November when my son was killed. And you know, I think many people um, around me, you know, including you, Chris, uh, stepped up to the plate and were there for me and my family during that time. And you saw someone, a group of people, my family in need, um, you know, in terms of emotional and other types of support that we really needed at that time. And we still do. And we still are receiving. Um, and people found their purpose that way. And, and I, you know, am forever grateful for all of that. And, you know, people in, in my community here in Hudson, Ohio, um, and, and broader um, you know, all over the, the country, really. I mean, a lot of my old military friends have done amazing things to help help out. Uh, and, you know, so I think that's a perfect example. The way in which people responded to me and my family during the past several months is a good example of people seeing a, a, a problem, seeing a need, and responding in a way that was purpose-driven that, you know, and, and I hope that those people feel good about helping us. They should feel good about that, right? And that's where, in terms of, uh, you know, the causality here of purpose and happiness, to my mind, and I think there's good evidence to suggest that purpose comes, and doing things with purpose and meaning comes before the happiness, right? Get out there and help people, and that's going to make you happy because you're going to see the results of it. Uh, and you can at least, and even if you don't, you can at least know that you were trying and doing good. Yeah, there's been so many people in my life where I, you know, see them years later and I said, you know, you had such a big impact on me. And they're like, what? Hmm. 
Yeah, they had no idea. Yeah. Like one of the most impactful moments of my life. And you didn't even know. <laughs> it, just do it. It's the same thing with therapy. Well, you know, if you've been 40 years not doing so well, what are you going to have to go to 40 years of therapy to have a better day? No, you start acting in the good ways now and you act your way to the future that you want. Yeah. And so so let's just talk about with the world burning down, so to speak, which it's not because there's lots of helpers like you and me and our listeners out there. Let's talk about what we can do right now for the world. Sure, sure. I think there are many things that we can do right now. I think um, the the lie that sometimes we tell ourselves is that, you know, leadership or making the world a better place, that's something that they do. That's something that other people do. That's something that our elected officials do. And maybe it's something that they should do, right? Um, but that is abdicating our own personal responsibility to make the world a better place through our own actions. And when we do that, I'm sorry, but that's just lazy, right? We all have the ability in little ways, maybe in bigger ways, to make the world a better place. And one of them that you could do right now is, hey, when you can, go get that COVID vaccine. Yes, sign up. The first thing that everybody can do is sign up and go get vaccinated. Now, I'm doing some work with a public health department here um, with some contact tracing and stuff. I have been vaccinated. And, you know, I was a little under the weather for a couple of days and then fine. Like, no problem. You know, I get a little under the weather when I get the flu shot. It's mm -hmm. no. And so to just put it in context, because I've heard some people say, well, I need to wait. I need to wait until more people have had this. Well, and then I always ask them like, hey, man, well, how many people need to have it? Is it one mm -hmm. million? Two? They don't have a number. They just feel insecure about it. But let's put this in context. Any of these medical companies, if these vaccines mess up, it's going to destroy their stock price and their ability to sell meds in the future. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, 30,000 people went into the Moderna vaccine, a trial, and over 4 million doses vaccines have been given in the U.S. alone thus far. Actually, I think it's over 5 million now. So it's a significant amount of size. Go get vaccinated. It's good for your community. It's good for your own health. And, and, and tell people that you've been vaccinated because we've got some people that are worried about it right now. That's right. That's right. So do that, you know, but then beyond this whole COVID debacle that we've all been dealing with now for a long time, there are other things you can do right now. And sometimes, you know, again, coming back to this idea that we, I don't think we can, we, it's, it's not helpful to think about, you know, doing, making the world a better place in these grand ways. Start with what's around you right? Start with being a good family member, right? The family is the fundamental sociological unit in our civilization. Guess what? If you make your family a little bit better, if, you're, if you reach out to that estranged sibling or parent and you try to bridge those relationships and do the best you can, you know what? That's making the world a better place. And so be a good family member. Invest in those relationships around you care about people's well-being, you know? And you, when I say family, that, that could be your biological family. Uh, we, it could be people beyond that as well, of course. Yeah, your chosen family. You know, we see a lot of people, some people don't have uh, family or they have a group of people they're really close in. You know, friends giving mm -hmm. has kind of become like this thing. But invest in those close relationships 
that are meaningful to you. And you got to care about other people's well-being, um, including people that have political views that you find completely numbskullery. You know, mm -hmm. still be kind and loving. Reach out. Help where you can. You know, helping an old lady across the street type stuff makes I mean, it's the kind of world you want to live in. Right. Right. You know, do those little things to help out each other. Uh, I mean, this may sound like just, oh, common sense. Well, you know what? <laughs> if it were common sense, I think it'd be more common. And, you know, we see a lot of brokenness um, in families and in other types of relationships. And I, I think those are opportunities for all of us to have some purpose and meaning and to make the world a better place. Right. So that's a place you can start right now. Get vaccinated and be a good family member. Be a good friend. And I want to speak because I see this with soldiers and other people. You know, this isn't our first economic crisis either. You know, right. it really impacted a lot of people. I knew the last one. And, you know, the primary breadwinner possibly comes home and has lost their job due to the economic situations out of their control. And they start to get antsy at home. You know, the kids start messing with stuff and you're like, hey, you know, what are you doing over there? You know, some of these social ties can start to break down. Look for those people in your community that may not know what to do or be at risk. I mean, we're in the military. We're trained to kind of, hey, this person might be a suicide risk right mm -hmm. now. Um, find out some of those things. Educate yourself on those and look for people in your circle and community that might be a risk so that you can come and help them. You know, maybe if they're in your bubble or something, you could take the kids for an hour so they can just go for a walk and blow off some steam. We got to be the pressure release valve for each other as we triage going through political crisis and the pandemic at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You know, it uh, it kind of reminds me of um, going back to one of the oldest stories in the Bible of when when Cain kills his brother, Abel, and then he's, you know, God asks him where his brother is. And he says, you know, am I my brother's keeper? And, you know, yes, yes you are. We are. <laughs> we are all our brother's keeper. We are all our sister's keeper, right? That That is how we should be living. Uh, and those fundamental basic ways in which we can relate with each other. You know, you imagine that multiplied out across the millions of ways in which we can do that over, you know, in our lives, it all adds up and it makes for a stronger society. It makes for a stronger civilization. It gets us to a better world. So do those things. You know, another thing that we've talked about a lot is, you know, be an informed person. All right. This is something you can do right now. Read. <laughs> Don't just watch your favorite uh, news channel that tells you what you want to hear. There Actually, I recommend those. against watching any news. <laughs> you need to, that, because here's what we've learned in this, you know, some, some of our listeners, like, they can't remember no social media. But mm -hmm. it, the conversation used to be had between professionals, and then people would interact with two professionals talking about these ideas. But we all know, you know, if somebody wants to make their job as a social media influencer, and this is probably why we're terrible at this, Ben, but... You know, they do the <laughs> glitzy Instagram pictures and then they say spicy things to get attention. But when the whole when the whole world's made up of people trying to say spicy things to get attention, 
it quickly just becomes a cesspool of garbage. Yeah. And, and that's where we're at. We know from Facebook, emotional cries get more clicks. Yep. And yet we also know from social media, stuff's like less likely to be true if it is only an emotional appeal. <laughs> you know, like you want to talk healthcare? Oh, healthcare is so riveting. And it's like, yes, yeah, so let's look at the actuarial values and the cost basis and the taxation and the budget. Like everybody's asleep right then. Yeah. But if you say they're going to take Meemaw's pills, everybody's ah, anger. I don't want to pay for Meemaw's pills, but Meemaw's going <laughs> to die without them. I mean, they're just like, they're going nuts. And that's not a real conversation, guys. You're absolutely right. And I also have to clarify for all of our listeners what a Meemaw is. So a Meemaw is a grandmother. And that is a phrase that is oftentimes used in the American South for grandmother. Carry on. I know that was a new one for me, you know, grandma, opa, you know, all the, anyway. You That's know, right. I, I think, you know, but your point is very well taken that social media drives people to the extremes in terms of getting attention. And if that's where you're only getting your sources of information, that's it's likely going to have some sort of spin to it. And so I recommend, uh, you know, gather your your information from a variety of sources. There's a there are many uh, decent journalists out there and other types of news publications that I encourage people to read. Don't just read the ones that are in your echo chamber, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, approach any kind of argument or any kind of policy issue or anything that you're thinking about with some thoughtfulness. Don't just say, oh, this meme, this meme really resonates with me. I'm going to share it. You know, you can't talk policy in a meme. Anything no. worth fighting over is more complex than a one liner. Yeah. Well, and, and that's where I see, I see the, you know, the, I, I had to Google it the first time I saw it, but you know, sometimes people will write TLDR too yeah. long. Didn't read. Right. Yeah. That's the problem. That's the problem. People are going through life with a bunch of TLDR. No, no, it's not too long. Didn't read. It probably had some good information and you should have read it. So take the time, get out there, dig into, if you're really passionate about a, a public policy issue, be it healthcare or immigration or any of these things that gets people all riled up. Well, you know what? Maybe actually dig in there and try to understand it from all angles. It, yeah, it's going to require you to, to, to expend some brain cells, uh, but you're going to be a more informed person and it's going to be able to better equip you to make a difference in your world. Yeah, because I want to call baloney. If you want to punch smart, if you really gave a rip about these things, Right. Why are you so uninformed on these topics? And this is the social media ification of everything. So everybody, you want attention, you want followers, you do the stupid behaviors, attention seeking, um, shock, emotional appeals that are about kiddie pool deep on their deepest day. Mm -hmm. And and then, oh, well, that works. And then our newspapers kind of chase that for a while. You know, New York Times and some other places have tried to come up with different income streams so they don't have to act like complete numbskulls to pay their bills, right? You know, because I don't know, crossword puzzles don't pay for a news desk in Beirut, you know? <laughs> so so you're looking for that. If you care, well, let me back up to this. So the newspapers did it, the people on the news, right? And I, you know, I don't care what your opinion of Fox News is from a content basis. But the amount of money they spend on actual news gets smaller and smaller and smaller. 
and they have in every news station. This is why I say don't watch news if you can avoid it. They have the we call them the talking heads. And how do talking heads get rating rated? Well, by acting like the dummies on Facebook and stuff. Yeah. Like this, this is the emotional plea, the shallow arguments. This is not um, what was meet the press was that was a pretty serious, you know, yeah. conversation with somebody where you could deep dive into policy. You know, that that's not what news media is about. Yeah. Well, and even meet the press, I think some people would argue has degenerated, you know, in uh, in recent years. Um, and that's a point for for discussion, I suppose. But yeah, go um, watch the the news you know, in the 80s. Yeah. And right? so I, just, I, you know, you talking about this, Chris, reminds me of sitting around with my grandfather when we'd go visit him in Michigan. And I mean, basically from like, you know, 530 to seven ish, like you, you don't you don't bother grandpa. If yeah. you want to be, if you want to be in your news grandpa, time. it's news time. And so what he would do is he, and he would, gosh, he would, he would flip the channel. He, like, he, first of all, he hated commercials. And so he would, he would flip from channel to channel. He'd watch the major networks. So, you know, the, the NBC, the ABC, CBS, he kind of flip around between those. And then it was always PBS, the McNarrow, what was it? The Jim Lehrer and uh, McNeil news hour, right? The, the PBS right. news hour, I guess what they call it now, just the PBS news hour which, you know, by by most standards, a lot of people would think is kind of boring because it's just here's some stuff that happened. Here's a little in-depth investigation into something, but it's actually pretty good. Right. And that, I mean, that was a much more informed and better way of getting the news, I think, than what we have available to us now. Um, and what most people are doing in terms of just looking at their phone and getting outraged about stuff and sharing stuff without thinking. And that goes to our next point. If you know, I think we, we have to engage in these conversations, but we got to do them the right way. Let's engage in the conversations, but let's not do them poorly. Yeah. So this is one of those things where people say, well, I just get tired of all the anger and shouting. Well, then learn enough to shut it down. Yeah. Right. But and don't do you, that. Don't do the angry shouting yourself either. Right. <laughs> and but if you want to bury your hand in the head in the sand, just say, I don't know enough about this because I'm not an expert. And I don't think you are either. <laughs> you know, if you're going to bury your head in the stand, at least take something to curate the conversation. So you can say, gee, I don't know, but you're yelling about this so angrily that it's hard to get at the substance of what you're saying. Or this seems to be a complex issue. Are you sure that meme captures the crux of it? You know, these are things that just put, you know, a bucket of cold water. Yeah. You know, but it does, on bad conversation. Right. But it does so in a way that is somewhat empathetic and isn't attacking the person, right? We because people have these natural impulses to share things, right, that resonate with them. And if we attack those kind of head on in terms of attacking the person, right? And saying, you know, this is garbage, you know, check your facts, which may be true, <laughs> right? They probably should, but the way you say it really does matter in terms of having a better conversation and a better world. And it's something you can do right now. You know, I like what you said in terms of, you know, um, you know, this seems like a really complex issue. You know, I, I think there's probably a lot that we can, uh, we should be looking into, you know, what are some of the sources for other information about this? You know, I, I think that's a much better way to go about it. Yeah. And so just, I mean, we talked about Google, how to find your purpose. You can Google how to have better online conversations. Yeah. There are some, Medium has some, you know, self-published stuff. Just go find out. One of those things, techniques, is a straw man where somebody sets up a fake argument that looks similar. So Ben Barron says, 
I hate strawberries. And I'm like, can you believe that he hates all red fruit, including tomatoes? Because <laughs> tomatoes are a fruit, by the way. Um, and, and Ben's like, wait, I, I just hate strawberries. And then I'm going out. Can you believe the red fruit discrimination that is coming out of Ben's mouth? I can't even listen. This is not being fair to Ben. Right. And most yeah. of the time that I see people have these dialogues, they don't know enough about the other side or the best versions of the other side's arguments. We can all find a complete idiot on any side of a conversation. But to take that one idiot, and this is another phrase that I like that I learned from my friend Jordan. It's called, not, you know how you nitpick? You know, you mm -hmm. pick everything. This is called nut picking. You go find the one nut on the other side <laughs> and then hold them up as the banner yeah. of that side's argument. That is a that is straw manning that side. And that's not being a good citizen here. Yeah. And, and oftentimes it's done just to make fun of another side. It's done at the expense of other people. Um, it's, it's not helpful at all. So, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, but for the record, I do like strawberries. I do like tomatoes. He's and not a red fruit discriminator. <laughs> there, are many, there are many other red fruits of, of all colors that I enjoy. Um, you know, I think we, we've talked about this before and already a little bit today, but, you know, don't be the person who's spreading garbage on, on social media. Um, you know, if you see something that just kind of makes, makes you go, yeah, and, and makes you want to share it, that might be a clue that you should pause and maybe not share it. Give it some more thought. Uh, because if it resonates with you that much, then it could just be triggering you know, some of your emotions, which may not be the best guide to what's appropriate. Yeah, when, you, when you're flooded with that, <laughs> nah. you know, you're not in the right headspace to curate a good conversation. You know, you maybe need to simmer your sauce a little bit before you engage, okay? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Which, this brings me to another thing that a lot of people do in this space, and I see major figures do this, people that sometimes say really good stuff, but we can all think of, like, the Ben Shapiros and Rush Limbaugh's and, and other TV people like Dan Rather, which I don't have a complete survey of Dan Rather. I remember Dan Rather being super serious, right? This is Dan Rather reporting live or or whatever, right? Versus the stuff, because the media landscape is so crowded now, they have to say crazy stuff like Facebook to get attention. But one thing that a lot of people will do is say, I just want to bring up these concerns, mm. Right. I'm concerned Ben is a Russian spy. I don't have any evidence for this, but if he was, it would be really bad for my podcasting career. And <laughs> and and I am literally smearing Ben right now. Right. Just by posing the, that question. Just by posing the question. And it becomes like, well, I never said. I was just said I was concerned if he was a Russian spy with a top 40 baking show in Czechoslovakia. It, yeah, I mean, you're, all of a sudden you're like, wait a minute, he's baking and check. Your mind just automatically goes because we have vibrant imaginations. It's the stuff that allows us to invent cool stuff that makes the world better. But our vibrant imaginations with these kinds of, I don't know what you would call these techniques. Ba ac accusations do not equal evidence. Yeah. And we should call well, people out. Stop bringing up accusations that don't have a hint of truth. One one of the ones from Alex Jones was that the Sandy Hook massacre was a hoax. Oh, it's despicable. 
And there, there are people's whose lives, I mean, Ben, you have lost a child. Yeah, I can't and imagine. And people's yeah. lives that are torn apart, people driving by and shooting bullets at their house because they think they're part of some government fraud. And then you try to know, oh, well, you know, I just thought, what if they were? That could be so terrible. But people take those accusations and turn them into facts. And that's not that with our election fraud stuff. Well, there's a lot of these accusations. Well, accusations are not evidence. Right. And we need to decry people that play that playbook in the public forum. One of the top ways is if you're supporting somebody financially, maybe a podcast or a radio show or or you know through Patreon or something, write them an email and say, I am not supporting you because you engage in this kind of accusations as evidence behavior. Right, right. And I think it's, it oftentimes can be the accusations and it also can kind of, as you mentioned, just be those subtle questions, just raising the question. You know, we, we need to look into this or this is something that we should be concerned about. Well, no, uh, <laughs> if it's BS, it's BS. Um, you know, a related point to this is beware of the ultra crepidarians of our world. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there's an SAT word for you. Um, ultra crepidarians are people who uh, it's this tendency for people to exert their or apply or attempt to have expertise outside of their actual area of expertise. So for example, if someone came to me and said, hey, Ben, you're a business professor. I really need your expert opinion on this really complex uh, corporate finance issue, right? Now, I, I could opine on, on what I think is the, the, you know, the, the right answer. However, that's not my area. The best answer in that, to that person would be, I don't know, go ask my wife. She's an expert in corporate finance, which is actually true. But, uh, you know, so I think um, it, it can be really tempting, especially if you do have some expertise, when people come to you and ask you about things that are outside your lane, for you just to start to spout off. But you got to be very, very careful if you're in one of those positions. And then on the, on the other end, when you are asking people for their opinion on things, make sure that you, they actually have some expertise in the area. Um, that's something you can do right now to make the world a better place. And it can help you be more informed. Yeah, we have access to Google Scholar. I mean, the anti-vax debate's been going on before the COVID vaccine came out, right? And people will pull, they'll go to Google Scholar or they'll find some open source journal and they'll pull out a snippet. But one of the things is a lot of people don't even know how to evaluate scientific literature. So you can go to another scientist in a, even a related field and they can read something and understands stuff like statistics, right? Sure. Hmm, this seems statistically relevant. But, and you can begin the conversation. Yeah, but yeah. There's no reason to go find a flipping expert. They are all over the actual web. And so, <laughs> and sometimes you'll have an expert, you know, I call it experts gone wild, right? You, one guy, or like we, let's take climate change. So there's examples in the past, like Ixox Simmelweis. He's the guy who said, hey, physicians should wash their hands, especially yep. after working on cadavers and before delivering babies. Like moms <laughs> weren't wanting to go deliver because their kids were dying. But, you know, the doctors thought it can't be me. I'm a, I'm a helper. I'm, I'm, I'm doing cadaver work so I can learn more about the body. Well, Ixox Simmelweis was like, hey, man, what if, you got to wash your hands. You know, the germ theory was starting to come around. Yeah. And they tried to take his medical license. 
Yeah, he was like, not treated well when that when he first came out with those ideas. There's examples of, you know, because you're always, well, what if the minority's really correct and the majority miss it? Well, some things that I've seen that help you say, when is this the case, right? You're always going to have a better bat batting average going with the majority. And science does have a way of updating itself and correcting. But so on climate change, you would normally see, you know, there's maybe a hundred so or whatever. There's not a lot compared to the people that says that climate change is real. You would see them come together under one or two best arguments against the majority's position. So, but when you see hundreds of thousands of different little micro arguments and no consensus on the, the minority opposing side, that's one of those signals to you as a lay person of, hey, listen, you guys haven't really come, come to consensus on the one or two items that defeat the majority. And if you can't convince your peers, why should me as a lay numbskull be convinced either? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is just a place where you have to defer on some of those things. Right. So being an informed consumer of information is certainly important. That's something you can do right now for the world. Uh, we talked about getting vaccinated. Now, once you've gotten vaccinated, you know, do some volunteer work. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, you, you know, how much um, how many opportunities I'll say are available to do good in your world, in your communities through volunteering? You know, there unless you are have a really horrible reputation and do a terrible job and are just a mean jerk. You know, most organizations will take you as a volunteer, right? I mean, they they like your you know your help, um, and there are many opportunities for that. Now, this is something that uh, is is particularly um, widespread in the United States. You know, this is something that you know we were talking about yesterday, Chris. Uh, you know, Alexis de Tocqueville, uh, the Frenchman who back in the early 1800s came over and. Uh, kind of toured around America and was like, what's going on here? You know, and he wrote this great book called Democracy in America. And one thing that he noticed and noted in that book is that, you know, we are a we at least were, and I think we still are, uh, to a large degree, a society in which um, when we see problems, we create organizations and we, we either formally or informally, and we do things to fix them. Um, you can do that. And there are many opportunities to do that. Get out there, volunteer in an organization. It's going to help you uh, in terms of your, it's also going to help you in terms of like networking, building your own skills, building your leadership abilities, all of those types of activities. But, you know, it's also going to make the world a better place. So there's, there are those opportunities. Uh, so get involved with some community organizations. One other thing that I think we should mention here, just as we kind of wrap up talking about what you can do right now is this great idea that you brought up, Chris, the other day with me. And you were saying, you know, it's kind of like intramurals. You know, we, we got to have uh, some rules in terms of how we play the game, so to speak, when having a public conversation. That's right. And you got to call fouls on your own side. Yeah. So if you were raised, I, I mean, I was raised in a staunchly conservative home and all that kind of stuff. So I know the ins and outs and weeds of conservatism. I am uniquely positioned to say, you know what, guys, this just is some bad behavior right now. And I, it's not that I'm, you know, don't understand where you're coming from. You know, now I've moved a lot more left now as an adult, but I can call fouls on my own side. And nobody wants to play a game where people are cheating, right? And right. cheating would be doing the accusation um, baloney where we're talking, well, Ben might be a Russian spy. It could be being a cry bully. Oh, stop picking on me. When every time you disagree, it means you hate me. That, that <laughs> nobody, that is not, 
come on. Mike Davila talks about, you know, with his Grindstone Institute, he's like, we've got to raise up sovereigns to help us. And every person is their own sovereign. So nobody wants a king that's a dummy on the issues of the day. So you got to read. That's being said, nobody wants a king that's unjust and says, because I say so, and you're dumb. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not cool. That's not cool at all. And if you're on the left, you've got to call. We've seen bad behavior, and this isn't a form of both sidisms. Sometimes in moments of history, you know, back when um, the Democratic Party was the party of slavery, they were summarily wrong in that view, right? Mm-hmm. But they're not that party anymore. People grow and change. And how do they do it? Through conversation, through evolving debates, through this thing that we call intellectual honesty. And we've got to be honest. So intramural rules. Yeah, you can call some fouls on the other side, but you better call fouls on your own side when they're screwing up the conversation. Absolutely. Okay, so we talked about some things you can do right now to make the world a little bit better. Let's move now and talk a little bit about how we can have a broader influence. You know, so you're doing all these things, you're informed, you're having good conversations, you're calling fouls on your, even on your own side, you're being a good family member and friend, you're getting involved in your community through volunteering and so forth. If you want to have a broader influence and, you know, expand kind of the, the influence that you have, uh, let's talk about some of the things you can do there. Yeah, so there are things, you know, you can go to your local soup kitchen. You can work on maybe affordable housing issues or, you know, volunteer at your church or, you know, go be a crisis counselor hotline volunteer. Like these are things you can do that are awesome. But we need, as we organize as currently the nation state, and we are trying to organize beyond that and functions like the UN and other stuff, there are things that happen above us that impact us down here at the level we're at. But we all can't be senators, right? There's only two per state. Um, we all can't be a chancellor. You know, on, there's only one Angela Merkel in Germany at any time, right? <laughs> and there's only one. She's so cool. There's only one of her, period, right? So <laughs> the thing is, we need a guide to help us make those decisions when we need, you know, because pretty much any modern place is a representative democracy of some sort. We send representatives to help make decisions in aggregate. And it can be really frustrating when they make decisions that impact our lives, our businesses, and all that stuff. And we feel out of control. But let's talk about the control we can have. And the first one is you need to use character and integrity as a criteria for who you support in public life. Right, right. You know, I th- I am a deep believer in the idea that character and integrity matter, you know, and part of this goes back to, you know, what I learned very, very early on. And, you know, it's, it kind of goes back to that, that idea from the Bible that, you know, whoever can be trusted with a little can be trusted with much and whoever can be, whoever is dishonest with little will also be dishonest with much. And I think that that's an idea that uh, has some value. In terms of you know how people live their lives, personally, how they conduct themselves in the public forum, um, you know those give us that gives us clues into who people are and how they think, how they make judgments. Uh, that's very important when we are putting people in positions of responsibility. And so, an additional you know piece of 
uh, additional criterion, if you will, for selecting leaders of our organizations, of our government entities, should be some of this, um, you know, character and how people are living their values. Um, you know, because if someone has a, a a record of not living a life of integrity and character, well, that gives me some doubt. And I think it should give us some doubt about how they're going to conduct themselves when they have more responsibilities and more ability to influence people through potentially unethical ways. Yeah, we see this all the time in our consulting engagements. Lots of times people didn't have like moral handrails. You know, they just grew up in an organization. Well, well, why didn't you do that? Well, that's not how we do business around there. And so they go to manager, to director, to VP. And then ta-da, they have their first CEO slot. And they're like, well, what do I do? Hmm. How do I, you know, your character integrity is the mass that you set your sail on. You know, yet nobody wants, I mean, been here Navy guy. Anybody want a wet noodle for a mast? No, <laughs> you can't sail anywhere with that thing, right? So you need rock solid character and integrity. I know, right? So because we see these people, well, well, this I haven't made this decision before. I'm making decisions in a, a total open ocean. Well, what should I do? And what do we invariably say? Well, what does your character and integrity tell you to do? Yeah. What kind of organization? does this want to be and if it's if you're just wanting to go after the money well that's gonna you're gonna go straight into the pit of no character integrity if that's your only goal and nobody wants to live in the land of dark elves of everybody stabbing each other doing these things that's not how you build a polite society we compete in business we compete in the realms of policy and all that kind of politics but gosh darn it we need to do it with character and integrity Right. And what that does for us as a society, if we have people in positions of authority with character and integrity, and if we also conduct ourselves in that way with each other, is it allows for trust to actually exist, you know? And that's fundamental even to how we, how we barter and trade in a free market, right? We have to have some level of trust for things to work well. And I think that is is even more important uh, in times of crisis, in times of change, uh, in times of volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. We have to have character and integrity for our people who are in positions of authority. So have a broader influence? Well, look for character and integrity in those people that you're going to support for you know, any type of um, public life or leading an organization. Yeah. And, and there's you know, that can sound like a little rough, but it is rough. Leadership is <laughs> yeah. rough, right? I mean... Like, you know, nobody wants to drive a car without wheels. So, you know, get somebody with character, integrity, these kinds of moral virtues to drive. And here's the benefit, because a lot of people pick people, well, he's famous, or I know that guy. You know, name recognition is a big part of getting out the vote. But what's cool is there's a never-ending line of people that are qualified that you can select to representing you. You know, we just said some of these commercials, the political ads, since we're just coming out of the election season here, you know, like I'm a fighter who will go to DC and do what's right. You know, it's like, looks like some bad pro wrestling ad. I mean, political <laughs> ads are guys, we have modern media. Why are your political ads so garbage? That's another topic. But if everybody's picking a fighter to send to DC, well, no 
wonder we're having fights. That's all you <laughs> sit up there. Gosh, you know, right. Where's where's the lovers and the debaters and the policy wonk? I want to send the biggest nerds who are savvy up to Washington for me. Yeah. Yeah. I need well, it. And what's yeah. interesting is there are a bunch of these brilliant nerds that so to speak and i'm saying that with all love and affection i right? am a nerd I, I, and yeah, i'm proud so to buy yeah so but there are a bunch of people like that who work in government not as elected officials you know some of them are you know government appointees others are in the the federal service uh as as you know employees um and they are there doing doing good work but i think we could benefit from having those types of people um be the ones who are you know making decisions and and, and we rip policy we rip our countries apart bit by bit by bit it's death by a thousand cuts when all we're doing is fighting all the time now yes you need to stand up for what's right and advocate and right. put on your thinking cap get experts but if your whole goal is to on social media virtually punch people in the face right if your goal is to elect elected officials that act like total fools and i'm a fighter no you're not look at you where it's you're not i'm fighting for no that is not how <laughs> things get done and or if you win that way you have a whole part of the country that's bloody bruised and hating your guts and right. that's that's not how you build a country that's not how you build organizations we're not fighters we need to have real conversations and we can't have these purity tests Oh yeah. my gosh, did you see that guy? He was talking to a Republican. I think they <laughs> ate lunch together. Yeah. I, he ate lunch with the Republican. Dear God. You oh know, my God. Uh, yeah, no, they're, they're supposed to do yeah. that and talk about ideas and have honest debates. And then when they come out, and we see this, like when, when they brought Mark Zuckerberg up, the kind of questions they were asking were just cheap pot shots to, for a Twitter clip, video clip to send to their constituents. That's when right. you see people do that, you're like, listen, man, you're not even a real fighter. You're like a social media weenie that's just focused on re-election all the time. But what did I send you to Washington for? Yeah. I mean, the people that I want representing me, the people that I think we need representing all of us are people of enough character and integrity to be able to, if the need arises, make a decision or cast a vote that they know will get them not elected again, right? That they know will put them in jeopardy for the future because they know it's the right thing to do. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good thing to have people who have that character and that compass and are willing to do the right thing, even if it's not popular, right? And it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, I think so many people who aspire to get into public life like that um, do so for reasons of, liking popularity and liking the attention wrong reason to get into public life yeah you know these guys will criticize welfare programs while basically being on one of the richest welfare programs ever which is being a representative <laughs> you know i raise i raise the money i do the youtube clip i get reelected. i raise the money i do and that's i mean they're like the worst, at least the Instagram people are selling nifty knickknacks on Etsy. These guys aren't <laughs> doing anything. So look for that meek and mild. And matter of fact, call your representatives up, send them emails and say, hey, I don't appreciate the way 
you're taking our national dialogue into the dumps. Yeah. I'm not going to donate to your reelection campaign. We can find meek, mild professionals that rely on expert opinions. We need, sometimes it's, we put our representatives in this crucible. Well, if I see a meeting lunch with a Democrat, I'm going to, he's, what are they, the term that we use, rhino, Republican in name only. Yeah. What? What is this purity test? Everybody, there is no perfect Republican or perfect Democrat, at least here in the United States. That's like a, a thing, that, like a real man, a real woman. Like, what if that changes and everybody has a different opinion about? So let's not hold, let's not put our representatives in a bind to where they just have to go with what the mob rule says. We need to empower them to say, like, guys, experts were saying this and I made this decision in good faith. It was a pro call. Yeah. Yeah. So those are definitely some ways in which you can have a broader influence. And, you know, I think by being a good and decent person yourself and by encouraging that in your environment, you really can have an outsized influence on this world. So I think we've addressed to some degree, I hope, a little bit of what we can all do for the world here. You know, we've talked about this idea of finding your purpose and what we can do right now and how we can have a broader influence. So get out there, do the right thing, and realize that you have agency. You have the ability to do something about our society, about our world. Yeah, gone are the days that you can virtually farm with your friends and crush candy and just go to work and ignore all this stuff. <laughs> Yet you got to get out there, and that means taking an at-bat in your society. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.